Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy Monday to everyone. Uh, It is February 22nd, 2021. And before we get into anything on this episode, um, I just want to acknowledge the fact that this is the 50th show uh, we've done. It blows my mind. As I was uh, working on the episode this week, uh, I looked down at my kind of running list of episodes that I've done, uh, and I saw 050, which is the 50th show. And it just blew my mind. Um, you know, when I think back to uh, December, November, December, January-ish of 2019 and 2020, uh, when I was really kind of thinking up this concept of uh, Transcend Human, I mean, I I didn't think it would fail. But at the same time, I don't think I saw 50 episodes down the road either. So this is a huge milestone. Uh, so thankful for those of you who have been here since the beginning. That would be really crazy. Uh, and for those of you who've just joined recently, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here as well. So because of this little anniversary, uh, we're going to do something that is mutually beneficial to you and the show. Uh, so between now and the end of March, we're going to be giving out Starbucks gift cards to the first 10 subscribers uh, that write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, now, I'm not going to give you the link or anything to show you how to get there. I mean, those of you who use Apple Podcasts, you probably already know how to use the Apple Podcast app or uh, listen to it online uh, through a browser or whatever. Um, but you know where the reviews are and you know, I mean, there's a place right there that says add a review. So uh, for those of you who know how this is done, uh, this is for you. So right now uh, we have... A, probably four or five ratings. Uh, You know, ratings are great, but reviews are really what go a long way to help boost the visibility of the show and, um, you know, really kind of bump you up in the library, if you will, uh, so that the show is easier to find uh, for new people looking for for this content. So uh, if you're willing to do that, we want to thank you uh, for helping us grow the show in this way. So these reviews, you know, they don't have to be long or cheesy or anything like that. Uh, Just something small, heartfelt, explaining why you like the show or how it's helped you in some way. Um, that would be awesome. And then after adding your review, just email us at info at transcendhuman.com uh, just so that we can verify the review. And then we'll send out a gift card to the email address uh, you provided. So if that sounds fun to you, uh, you'll be enjoying some coffee on us soon. Uh, if not, that's okay too. We just love that you're here. And we hope that the content has been helpful to you on your own personal journey. All right, uh, let's move into the minute of transparency for today. And it is going to be called Found on Road Dead. Strange title, I know, but some of you immediately recognize that phrase. Uh, The rest of you think that I'm going to do an entire segment on roadkill, um, but allow me to calm your fears. Uh, Found on Road Dead is an acronym for Ford Vehicles. F-O-R-D equals Found on Road Dead. 
Uh, and I've carried that with me most of my life because of the impact it must have had on me when I was growing up. Uh, if you were born in the U.S. in the early 70s, like me, uh, you really had three major car companies to choose from. At least uh, I did. And they were Chevrolet, Ford, and Dodge. I mean, there were other car companies too. Um, but in the heart of the U.S. of A., you had the big three. And most families had a favorite among the three. Funny enough, uh, they tended to hate the other two, or at least hate one of the other two. I still remember people putting these little stickers on their cars. It was this little boy standing with his pants halfway down, uh, taking a leak on the logo of the brand that they hated. And so it was with my family. We didn't have the stickers, uh, but we, ha we had a few Fords early on um, and had nothing but trouble with them. So my dad decided he was not a Ford guy and moved over to Chevrolet and became a Chevrolet guy. And because my dad was a Chevy guy, I was a Chevy guy. In our house, it went Chevy, Ford, and then Dodge in that order. We didn't really have an acronym for Dodge. Uh, it was just common knowledge that if you wanted to really scrape the bottom of the barrel, you'd purchase a Dodge vehicle. The funny thing is, we didn't even really own all that many Chevy vehicles after that. Uh, at one point, we had an old Chevy, 65 Chevy truck growing up. Uh, it was actually the vehicle that I learned to drive on when I was 10 years old. Uh, we lived in Powell, Wyoming, and my dad would take us up in the hills above the town, and he would let me drive on the bumpy dirt roads. Uh, later in Michigan, my dad bought a used Chevy S10 pickup truck with a nice off-road package. It was a great vehicle that lasted many years. Uh, more recently, my dad purchased his dream truck, a uh, full-size Chevy Silverado High Sierra. And funny enough, my brother drives the same thing. Uh, but somewhere in there, uh, we had the invasion of the Japanese cars, right? Honda, Toyota, Nissan, Mazda, all of those. And all of a sudden, people had a lot more to choose from. Uh, these cars were well-made, they were cheap, they lasted forever. So unless you were a hardcore American-made loyalist, uh, many people jumped ship immediately. My dad chose Honda, and for the next 30 to 40 years, it became the longest-running brand trend in our family. Uh, I can't even remember uh, how many we had altogether, uh, but I remember multiple Accords, Odysseys, Pilots, and uh, I think there was a Passport thrown in there for good measure. When I got married, uh, the first car my wife and I bought was a Honda Civic, which still runs to this day over 20 years later. And for many years, we had the Civic and an Odyssey um, as our two cars. But let's return for a minute to the found on road dead thing. Before I start getting hate mail from Ford owners, uh, let me just say a lot of my frustration with Ford did come from real world experience, right? The two Ford products that we owned had a lot of problems, so we quickly moved on. But that doesn't mean that Ford is all bad. In fact, it could just mean that we had a couple lemons uh, that fell out of the box of oranges. And it's not like I look at a Ford when I drive by and want to stick my tongue out at the driver. In fact, some of the most interesting vehicles today are Fords. Uh, here are just three that always turn my head. First, the Ford Mustang. Beautiful vehicle, and the sound of its engine is nothing short of perfection. Next up is the Ford F-150 Raptor. Amazing looking truck, so tough. For a long time, Ford was really the only manufacturer thinking outside the box uh, with their truck lineup. And finally, uh, Ford just released the brand new 2021 Ford Bronco. 
uh, a vehicle that's meant to compete with a Jeep Wrangler. And I can't even tell you how proud I am of Ford for making this happen. They definitely have an edge over Chevrolet in this category. I mean, Chevy has had years to think this through uh, as well, and yet nothing. No vehicle that even comes close to competing with a Jeep Wrangler. They just keep pumping out small, boring SUVs because that's what sells. And what I want to say to Chevy is, come on, man, step up your game. So there you have it. A minute of transparency that shows you deep inside the recesses of my mind uh, and the impact that the automobile industry has had on me over the years. Just a little piece of me, which, funny enough, is the topic for today, transcending me. Uh, In this episode, we're going to walk through It's All About Me, Me Through the Years, and Moving from Me to We. Number one, It's All About Me. I titled this episode Transcending Me, um, but other titles in the running were Transcending Self, Transcending Selfishness, Transcending the I in Team, Transcending Myself, you know, things like that. Because this episode is really all about selfishness. Uh, It's the capital M, capital E, me. It's the me, me, me problem, uh, which I believe is really a pandemic in and of itself. You've all probably heard the phrase, there is no I in team. Uh, Coaches just love to use this with players who aren't sharing, right? When they're being a ball hog, when they're not passing well, or basically when their ego seems to be a bit too big for their helmet. Uh, But if you look closely at the word team, uh, you realize that there's still a problem inside of it because there is me in team. There may not be an I, but if there's a me aren't we still in the same situation? And the funny thing is this, me is hidden in the word. The M and the E are in the wrong order and they aren't even close to each other. But you can still get me out of team. And that's the insidious nature of selfishness, at least in the world today as I see it. It may not be in your face, obvious, but it's there. And I believe it has an incredible impact on the world around us. Selfishness is something that we came by honestly. It comes directly from a sense of pride, which is said to be how sin originated. Now we walk through this in controversy theory. Satan, or Lucifer before he was kicked out of heaven, was an amazing angel with power, position, and a seat next to God himself. But at some point, something happened inside of him, something that had never happened before in the entire universe. This little seed inside of him started to grow. It was called pride, and because Lucifer gave into it, watered it, and kept it growing, it eventually became the main focus of his life. It led him down a path of rebellion against the very being who had created him and loved him. Eventually, he had to be removed from heaven to keep the cancer from spreading. Pride took everything from Lucifer uh, and will continue to take from him until his dying day. So what does pride have to do with selfishness? Well, they seem to have an interesting connection. Uh, In the article Pride and Selfishness by Steve Presslar uh, in the Beacon newsletter, he sums it up like this. Pride is self-importance and self-focus, which leads to selfishness, which is prideful thinking and prideful actions. Pride and selfishness always go together. A truly humble person cannot be selfish at the same time. So pride and selfishness are rooted in every sin. 
Now, this is something that I never really thought about. The fact that every time we sin, it is because we're giving in to a prideful or selfish piece inside of us. Uh, his article goes on to, to give examples like Satan's sin in heaven, Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden, uh, David's sin with Bathsheba, and this list just goes on and on. In each situation, the person was operating out of pride, which led to them being selfish about the things that they thought they deserved to have, which eventually led to the sinful behavior. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, but for the sake of this episode, we're going to focus on selfishness and leave the pride piece alone. Based on the whole Lucifer story, we understand that we came by selfishness honestly, right? It was found in Lucifer. Uh, he allowed it to mature into full-blown sin virus, as we call it. Uh, and then he offered it to Adam and Eve, who agreed to try it. And they, in turn, passed it to their kids, who passed it to their kids, and so on and so forth, down the line, to you and me. So that's what I mean when I say we came by it honestly. Great. So what does that mean? Do we just give in to it because it's part of our human nature? Is it just a little piece of the human condition, one that we have no control over? Well, unfortunately, the answer is an ambiguous yes and no. Yes, because we give in to our selfishness all the time. It's really our default reaction, especially when we're young or in times of weakness. But at the same time, no, it isn't something that we have to give in to. We can learn over time how to be less selfish. We are on a journey, a growth journey, but it is a long journey. Number two, me throughout the years. So talk about a growth journey. That's exactly what I believe each of us goes through in our lives. From birth to death, we're on a journey which includes many growth tracks, right? It's a physical journey. It's an emotional journey, a financial journey, a spiritual journey. And somewhere within that spiritual journey, uh, we have this growth journey from selfishness to selflessness, or humility, to put it another way. Now, this isn't something that I've read about or researched a lot. It's more just a concept that I've pieced together over time. Uh, yes, I've pulled from my education. I've pulled from watching others, talking to my parents, talking to friends, and really just living through these phases myself. So I'll call it the selfishness journey. Uh, just for the sake of today's episode, though I really like the sound of journey to humility uh, or something along those lines because it suggests that there is a positive destination that we're heading for. But whatever we choose to call it, this journey is tied to the traditional stages or phases that we go through in life. Now, quick caveat before uh, we begin, I need to apologize in advance because I am not going to walk through everyone's life experience. For example, uh, there are people who choose not to get married. There are couples who get married and choose not to have kids or are unable to have kids. So we're not going to walk through every possible eventuality. Instead, I am going to walk through the very stereotypical traditional stages that the average person walks through uh, in his or her life and attach a selfishness quotient or level to that stage. So here we go. First, you have infant. And I'm going to call that 100% selfish. As an infant, you are concerned only about yourself and how you are feeling. Perfect example of why we came by it honestly, right? 
An infant cries when they feel anything out of the ordinary, any slight fluctuation in their perfect little environment. Are they hungry, too full, gassy, not hot, not cold, cramped, bored, fear that there isn't someone around, needing to be held, wanting to hear sounds, hearing too many sounds? Should I continue? That is the infant stage in a nutshell. Next, we have a child. And I'll just say 95% selfish. Now, I only chose 95% to show growth, right? There's nothing scientific about the 95%. But I believe that as a child grows, they begin to hear things from parents, teachers, coaches, people they trust. They hear concepts like love, help, serve, share, give, support, etc. And just hearing these concepts alone can get them on the growth path toward being less selfish. Now, kids are still highly selfish, don't get me wrong, and they think mainly about themselves, but even if they only grow 5% in this stage, I think we're on the right track. Next up, we have the tweener or teenager, and I'll just say 80% selfish. So I clumped the middle school and high school years together because they seem pretty redundant in terms of selfishness, right? And again, the 80% is not scientific. It's simply just to help us show that growth is occurring. During these years, we begin to test out the concepts that we heard from our parents, teachers, coaches. We try sharing. We try loving other people. We try giving things to others. And at times, um, it's for very selfish reasons, right, to get people to like us. Uh, But at least we're trying. We're starting to see that being 100% selfish is not the best course of action. In fact, we don't really like people that are 100% selfish. And if we get too close to that number, we start having problems, right? People start leaving us because we are hard to be around. So I'm going to be generous and say that 20% of the time, teens are aware of their selfishness and try to make good decisions in light of that knowledge. Next, you have the single adult. Uh, We'll say 75% selfish. Uh, Notice we didn't grow a lot from the teen years to being a single adult, but it makes sense. Not only are we still single, but we're older and we have more control over our lives, which only serves to increase the desire to do things and have things our way. Single adults have actually reached the pinnacle of selfishness, if you will. They're completely self-sufficient. They can be their own person. They can survive without another person if they choose. And assuming that they are working and have money, uh, they can pretty much buy what they want to make their heart thump. Uh, with no impact on anyone but themselves. And so we find ourselves in this crazy stage of life where it really can be all about us if we want it to be. And there's the difference. In this stage, a huge piece of the puzzle is the choices a person makes. There are extremely selfish single adults, and there are extremely unselfish single adults all based on the way they were raised and how or whether they choose to act on the things that they learned. But for the sake of argument, we'll leave the 75% just because it seems right. Next up is the married adult. And I'm going to say 50% selfish. So why did I pick 50% selfish for a married person? Well, in part because I thought it was funny, right? The whole two shall become one thing just kind of makes sense. 50% and 50% equals 100%. Okay, lame, I know, but let's go with it for now. The point is that when you really commit to someone, by default, you're going to have to give some stuff up. 
at least if you want the marriage to work. Now, many people choose not to give anything up, and there's probably a really good reason why the divorce rate is so high in this country. Fun fact, the divorce rate in the U.S. is still around 50%. Uh, Unfortunately for me, uh, the divorce rate in Orange County, where I live, is 72%. Crazy. And selfishness plays a major role, I believe, in those statistics. But if we attack marriage with the understanding that it requires us to give some stuff up for the other person, then I believe we're on the right track. So what is it that we're giving up? Well, some of our freedom, for sure. No longer are we the only person in the house. We share space. We share facilities, amenities, dishes, television, etc. We can't just go out whenever we want or do whatever we want. There's another person involved. We also give up some financial freedom. We stop buying things in the heat of the moment because we want them. Instead, we have conversations about what to spend our money on. We start buying things that we need versus things that we want. Purchases are often forward thinking versus just fun to have right now. And we give up some social freedom. Uh, We don't really get to date anymore, right? When you're married, social activities like that end. Uh, Things like going to clubs, bars, guys night out, girls night out. You know, depending on the intent of those activities, which were often very single focused activities, Uh, some of those things may come to an end. Or, I mean, you may do some of those things together, but a lot of times some of those stage of life things that single adults do just come to an end. So in this stage of life, selfishness is on trial, so to speak, right? It's kind of a make it or break it stage. Either you figure it out and you survive or even thrive, or you fail and fail miserably and wind up divorced or miserable, whichever wins out. Next, married with children. And I'm going to put 25% selfish here. So you guessed it, this is the next stage after being married is having kids or adding kids to the mix. Uh, The 25% is also arbitrary, uh, but you get the intent. Uh, At this point in your life, your life is no longer your own. You have committed not only to another person through marriage, Uh, But you've added little people, and you've taken on the responsibility that comes with raising and protecting smaller versions of yourself. Because of this, all of the things that we talked about in the married adult section still apply. But you've now graduated even to a higher level. Uh, At this point, even hobbies and interests that you and your spouse may have had might not exist, or they may become very kid-centric. The world is not supposed to revolve around your kids. Let me just say that very clearly. Uh, But given the society we live in, uh, the magnetic pull that they put off is intense. School, music, dance, sports, church, friends, birthday parties, vacations, the dentist, braces, wisdom teeth, dating, sleepovers, driving lessons, sweet 16 parties, first jobs, college applications. Oh my goodness. If you choose to be around for all of those things, and I mean really be there in the moment, bought in for all of those things, uh, you'll have to do some serious business with your selfishness percentage on a regular basis. There's no getting around it. When you live with four other people, at some point you have to check your selfishness at the door, roll up your sleeves, and ask, what do you need me to do for you today? And that's really when you have the aha moment, or at least I did. 
That's when my selfishness percentage really dropped. I started to realize that life wasn't all about me. I began to think more in terms of what was good for the family than what was good for me. I can't tell you what my percentage dropped to, but it dropped drastically for sure. And finally, we have the mature adult. And I'll just put 10 to 35% selfish. Now, I couldn't decide if I really wanted to go any farther than married with children or not, but let's do it. So the mature adult stage means two things to me. First, it is me, right? Now, I'm only 50 years old, but something feels different lately. Uh, I feel like I've moved into this stage of life versus the married with children life just a little. Uh, I have two two girls in college and still have a boy in high school. Uh, But now that he is driving and a lot more independent, things have slowed down a lot for us, which has led to my wife and I having conversations about our future. Where are we going to live when all the kids are gone? Uh, What interests are we going to have? You know, the things that we do apart, are we going to want to do together? All of those kinds of questions. Second, it's seeing the world versus just family. So this might just be my experience, but for the past 20 years, my focus has been family. Sure, I watch the news. Sure, I know what's going on around the world around me. But the lion's share of my time and energy is spent on family. Until recently, when things changed a bit. Part of it has to do with the kids getting older and becoming more self-sufficient. But there's another part brought on by 2020. So the pandemic, the racial tension, the political unrest, and the just the growing instability in the world around us, undoubtedly brought on by climate change, global warming, or whatever whatever you feel has led to the changes in our environment. At any rate, the end result of all of these things for me is what I would refer to as a more mature outlook on the world around me. To put a blunt edge on it, a less selfish outlook on life. Uh, what I realized is that even as my selfishness percentage dropped during the family years, there was still a level of selfishness. Maybe you would call it a subconscious selfishness or something like that. But what I realized is that I was selfish because I was so focused on my family. How crazy is that? This whole idea that you can be so unselfish when dealing with your own family, but still view the world around you in very selfish ways. If I had the aha moment earlier in life, then this was definitely the mind-blown moment. It's as if the world, the people of the world, and the state of things just reached out and grabbed me, pulled me out of the selfish little bubble I had been living in for so long. I started to think more globally. And I'll admit, I started to think about the end of time again. In my 20s, I was obsessed with eschatology. I read books about it. I watched movies about it. I talked to people all the time about it. Uh, It was just fun to think about or talk about how everything was going to end. Then I got married, had kids, and completely let eschatology go. Until recently, when I started Transcend Human and dusted off controversy theory again. Crazy timing when you think about it. As I was firing up Transcend Human back in, I would say, January of 2020, I had no idea what was coming down the pike. The fact that 2020 would be the year that it was, the fact that Basically, the bottom was falling out out of the bucket, right? All of those things we experienced in 2020 were all things that I had had decided to kind of get back into uh, with Transcend Human. Uh, 
So let's finish up things on the mature adult stage. Uh, in summary, uh, it's that time in your life where the family stage is coming to an end. Not that you're not a family anymore, but the kids are moved out and it's just different. Life slows down. It's back to being a married adult again, just with a wealth of experience and knowledge um, behind you. It's looking at the world around you and deciding what's next. It's finding that one thing that you know that you're supposed to do, the one thing that only you can offer the world. It's really wrestling with the whole concept of purpose and significance, looking back on your life and deciding what you want your legacy to look like. How do you want to be remembered? So why did I list a range when I suggested that selfishness uh, for a mature adult was between 10 and, 10 and 35%? Well, mainly because I think the road diverges here for many people. For some, they draw on the lifetime of experiences that they've been through and they move full on into the humility zone. Others backslide into selfishness and become more grumpy and more demanding in their old age. Now, like I said, I didn't account for all life experiences here, and I certainly didn't account for the outliers. There are people who were selfish when they were born and will be selfish to the day that they die. And conversely, there are people who seem to grow up as humble as can be and live almost angelic lives. But somewhere in the middle is where most of us find ourselves. In one of the stages we just talked about above, dealing with selfishness the way it is described. Number three moving from me to we. Back when I worked at uh, Granger Community Church, I remember us doing a weekend message series one time called Moving from Me to We. And while I don't remember the specifics, the big idea, the felt need, or you know the reason why we did a full series on this topic, the name has always stuck with me for some reason. And I think it stuck with me because it's the perfect tagline for this journey we're on from selfishness to selflessness or from selfishness to humility, basically taking our eyes off the mirror in order to see those around us. Working together for the good of others versus working hard on my own strategy to meet my own needs. It would be awesome if we could get this figured out early in life, right? Like think back to when you were in the single adult stage, if, if you are older than that now. I mean, what if hundreds of thousands of single adults suddenly became aware of the world around them, became passionate about making it a better place, and started putting others' needs before their own? What? How crazy would that be? What would that even look like? And can I sign up to live in a world like that? Imagine the society that would create, the culture it would breed, people helping people all over the place. I know, it's not reality. It's not the planet we live on. However, that doesn't mean that we just give up or just give in to the selfishness that we were born with. We have the freedom of choice. And it's up to us what our selfishness percentage is in each of the stages we talked about. So let's land the plane. I am going to throw one more concept out there, and it's a little controversial, but just hear me out. So I find it fascinating that the stages above, the stages that we just talked about, are stages that God created. In other words, we didn't come up with these stages, right? These aren't man-made in any way. God designed them when he created humankind. He set these stages in motion. So we are born, we grow, we learn, we connect with another person, we bear and raise children, and eventually we reach an 
an age of full maturity, hopefully. Now, if sin had never entered the world, who knows what this world would look like, right? But isn't it interesting that in this world we live in, in this sin-infected world, we're born into the world infected with a sin virus. Sin is a direct result of pride and selfishness. Selfishness is the end result of pride, and it's what we're all born with and all struggle with. And in his brilliance, God created a growth path, a set of stages that would literally help us work on that problem. Each stage requiring that we spend a little less time on ourselves and a little more on others. It's a growth path that, if we're honest about it, actually grows us up into the people that God wants us to be, into the best versions of ourselves. People that reflect the true nature of their creator and leave a legacy that can change the world after them. Again, a bit controversial because people may choose to remain single or people may choose not to have children and not go through some of the stages above. But I don't see the growth path or the growth stages as a requirement, only the traditional path, the one that was put out there to help the lowest common denominator work through inborn selfishness. In fact, Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 7 explains that, uh, you know, being single can be a benefit, that if you could just remain single, that there would be nothing in your way as you work to make the world a better place. Notice he didn't say, I wish you could all stay single like me so that you can do whatever you want and not have to answer to anyone. Life is so much easier for us. No, not at all. In fact, if you look at the life of Paul and what he did because he was single, you might rethink your decision. Paul dedicated his singleness to God and spent his life on mission for him. It was a life filled with difficulty, physical pain, and eventually death at the hands of the Romans. Paul died a martyr, but look at the things he was able to accomplish in his lifetime as a single person. So the stages are not a requirement. However, I still find it amazing that God created this for us, this growth path that helps us go through the stages and work through selfishness while we're in the stages. What would our world be without them, I wonder? So this week, I have a few questions for you. First, where are you at in the list of stages? Do you feel like your level of selfishness matches the stage you're in? Number two. If you, had a, if you had to give yourself a selfishness rating or percentage, what would it be? Are you good with that percentage? Or do you feel like you have work to do? I know I do. And finally, number three, what is your next step in order to move from me to we? My prayer for you this week is that you are able to identify where you're at and identify where you'd like to be and that you're able to take steps in that direction. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. I hope this was helpful and enlightening on some level. As always, we would love to hear from you, uh, and we would love for you to share us with your friends and family. Uh, Like we said, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts this month and uh, throughout the month of March, and we will be sure to get you a Starbucks gift card. Uh, to help boost us in the search ratings, uh, podcast ratings, so that more people can find the show. So that's it. I hope you have a great week. Until next time, everybody, keep transcending human.
We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.